coming up on the show. The Yes All Women campaign is old news, unless you are still receiving violent sexual threats online. People ask women to be psychologically impermeable to this stuff, you know, and we, we forget that it's still a rape threat. We'll talk about why we think that is, what we can do about it. I should never have been threatened with rape in my entire life, and yet I have multiple instances in where I can say, that guy clearly threatened to rape me. More from our regular guest, Holly Wood. How do we get to an uplifting note now, Holly? Like, have you seen any good puppies lately? Oh my god, I did. You did? Tell me about it. After this. My heart is beating. to YOY Radio. I'm Andrea Salenzi. Today on the show, Hollywood. She's the best. I called her one weeknight because my show about online dating trolls is taking a little longer than expected. And my other show where I interview a guy who hired a professional matchmaker, also taking longer than expected. He does say he will sit down with me before Labor Day. So excited for that. So today's show is about something that feels like old news, but in my life and in the life of some of my friends, it's very recent news. Remember the Yes All Women campaign? That's where Hollywood and I are going to begin. From there, listener mail. You guys have been writing emails. I love it. Keep them coming. You can keep sending emails to andreasalenzi at gmail.com. Just my full name, straight up, gmail.com. Also, quick opportunity for any eligible bachelors out there. Uh, A friend of a friend is looking for single guys who want to work with a dating guru. Just one of you will be on this televised documentary show. I strongly recommend this opportunity if you are interested. Send an email, again, andreasalenzi at gmail.com. All right, now let's call up Hollywood. I've been hearing from a lot of you that you miss Hollywood, and I miss her too. We heard her a few months ago helping me rewrite the rules of dating. And now we're going to check in again today to talk about the Yes All Women hashtag and go over some listener mail we've been receiving. Welcome, Hollywood. Hi, Andrea. Hi, YOY. So a while ago, there was a tragic Santa Barbara shootings. And as a response, a lot of women organized online with the Yes All Women hashtag. You were involved. What was that like? It was really mobilizing. I I think there's a common response to tragedy in this country to just sort of mourn and go silent. And the Yes All Women hashtag campaign was the polar opposite. It was mobilizing fury that these kind of things we've been told for over a decade of, of receiving online rape threats and death threats that they're not real. They're not legitimate. They're, you shouldn't take them seriously. And nevertheless, here the Santa Barbara shootings made us realize it made the whole country realize that when sometimes when guys on the internet say they're going to do something, they do it. And it's something that we've been trying to tell people for a long time that this stuff happens in our day-to-day lives all the time. So having that hashtag to mobilize around, it made so many women stand up and recognize that they're not alone and isolated in the kind of online harassment they receive. It gave us a vocabulary around the topic of online cyberstalking that actually I can't, I, it is technically the legal term cyberstalking, 
is when you use online means like Twitter or forums or something like that to basically harass, annoy, call out women, say you're going to rape them, etc. Uh, and it's, it, it was, and it finally gave us a language and a mobilizing symbol. And I realized that it's a little bit dated now. It's out of the news cycle, but it's still something that's really, really in my imagination about where feminism is. So something that we've started noticing now weeks later is that a lot of women who use the Yes All Women hashtag, their participation in that campaign has made them vulnerable to even more online harassment. What have you been noticing? To women that I follow on Twitter, uh, Feminist Frequency, who makes awesome YouTube videos uh, where she talks about the intersection of feminism and, and video games. Uh, she's been received. She had to lock her comments on her our videos and her webpage because she was getting rape threats and death threats. That's crazy. And then Lindy Lindy West is getting all these crazy, you know. And she's been in the media for a long time. She's a writer for Jezebel, and she's been a long time sufferer of rape and and sexual harassment on the internet. So it it just seems like we're seeing a lot more of our Twitter friends uh, receiving these kind of crazy messages lately like it's been escalating and most recently a past guest on yy has had an insane onslaught of threats her story is pretty complicated but we all remember katie way from talking most recently about her project where she would listen back to okay cupid messages that she'd received usually very sexually violent messages (laughs) And, uh, and kind of create these response videos where she sits there making faces as she listens back to the messages. I, I forget what, I think I like thought it'd be funny if I called my friend and used a robot voice or, or like Siri or something to talk to her, but have it, like have it read this crazy message I got on OkCupid that day. New message from X, thank you girl X. I live at 311 Paranata Lane, apartment 207. Houston, Texas, 770 beep beep. I am home. You can come over so we can talk. Get to know each other well. Have fun and be friend. Got 420 on deck always. What time you will be here tonight? Text me at 398 to 2452 as soon as you get here. Look me up on xhamster.com with the same username to see what kind of freaky shit I'm into. I'll be here rock hard waiting for you. And so I did that to my friend and she freaked out and we were just like laughing. And, and I, after, after I talked to her, I sat at home for the rest of the day and I just made the robot read me fucked up stuff. New message from math magician 86. I want you to sit on my face and piss new message from Mr. Maddie 72. You look like you're into strap on play and pegging. Let me know if you ever need a willing ass and cock to abuse and torture mistress. New message from nuts on your chin too. In that picture with the markers, it would look better if you put all of them in your ass. New message from always interested nine nine. I'm in Houston until Saturday. You are stunning. Sweetheart, we should meet and fuck. I'd love to fuck in a public place. So what do you say? Are you interested, babe? New message from Pandy Lover. Hey slut, you need to be my little cum slut. I'll treat you right. Message me back. You bitch. New message. From Bitch Boy 40. Hi. I'm writing to ask if you are also looking for a male slave. Her pet. I will do anything for you, mistress. You look like a cruel goddess. 
Have you ever humiliated men who have small cocks? And she talked a lot about how hard it is to be a geeky girl online, to be funny online. She reached out over Facebook, and she's been pretty outspoken on Twitter this week about what's going on in her life. Uh, what have you been noticing there, Holly? And so what happened over the weekend was um, one Twitterer uh, said something about how rape jokes are fine because everything's fine in the realm of comedy. And so she said something back about uh, using your mouth parts to <laughs> evacuate a body part. <laughs> That's great. I'm, Loving it. I'm being I'm being creative with FCC regulations here. Um, something like that. And, and, and so what happened was her party. Um, so this other guy was, was, a uh, he, he turns out to be a 12 year old, 13 year old boy on 4chan and 4chan decided to mobilize around her Twitter handle, which is so like basically, and dox her and dox. Oh my God. I can't even believe I'm talking about this seriously. Dox means you find all the impersonal information about a um, internet user, their IP address, their real name, their where they work, their LinkedIn account, their Facebook photos, all these kind of things. And, and they basically made her a target for online harassment, um, which is actually a federal offense. <laughs> it's, a, it's actually um, totally not okay to do this. 4chan breaks a lot of laws. And so anyway, so she was receiving, um, as a response to telling this guy that he's not really okay to say that, you know, rape is actually a really bad thing. It's not funny. Uh, that she herself received a bunch of rape threats and death threats. At one point, some guy took a picture of all his rifles standing up against a wall and said like, yeah, come at me. Or, you know, people were just saying some ridiculous stuff to her, like, oh, you should get raped. Or, like, I hope a bunch of black guys um, in put their penis, like, uh, I can't say that, FCC. Um, yeah. You know, just terrible things, terrible things, Ruby. And she has proof of them. You could go look at her Twitter page right now. At, at So, like, basically, um, all one word, uh, she took screen caps of all these messages coming in, um, basically telling her, I hope you get raped. And it's just not funny at all. I don't know how anyone finds that funny, but that's the kind of onslaught that women on the Internet can expect to receive. And I feel like with that kind of harassment, what they want to see happen is they want her to say, I'm terrified. I'm going to stop speaking out online. I'm going to silence my voice. I'm going to I won't be make jokes anymore. I'm going to block my Twitter account. I'm not going to make videos. Yeah, and it was so it, – it, and the response – And it's effective. I, I feel like I would – there were a few days when she totally shut down her Twitter account and was afraid to leave the house. It works. It, it does. It totally works. I mean, it, when you, you – people ask women to be psychologically impermeable to this stuff, you know, and we, we forget that it's still a rape threat. You know, yes, it's coming from a guy whose Twitter handle is like – I can't even say it. They're all so terrible. They're all like penis something, right? Um, but it's still a rape threat, and it still hits you in the brain in a really horrible way, this idea that I'm being attacked. People are saying I should get this and I should get that. 
that's still psychologically terrifying. That's against the law, no matter where it's coming from. I mean, we signed a telecommunications bill in 1996, 1996 that said it was a federal offense to call somebody on the phone and make a threat, let alone a rape threat. Like, it's against the law. I mean, yes, the laws haven't caught up with the Internet yet, and a lot of states are going by a state-by-state basis. Like, Texas has a relatively aggressive cyber-attacking law. But other than that, it's, just, it's really, really far behind where it needs to be. How should we be women on the Internet is <laughs> something I've been thinking about. Like, if we were to come up with, like, a girl's guide to being who you are online, how do we even do that? Well, I think the Yes All Women hashtag campaign was great because it really started making women aware that, for example, take screen caps. Do that. It's an action point. You can do it. When someone makes a rape threat against you, collect all the evidence. Don't just dismiss it. Like, do do something about it. Collect all the evidence and send it to the police. This is an FBI case. Once it gets, you can't do this on the Internet. Harass somebody like that. It's a federal offense. So take screen caps. Collect the evidence. I think the responsible thing is to respond, and that's one way. And the other way, I think, is to, you know, uh, I, I hope that shows like YOI and, and what Lindy Wright West is doing on the Internet and what Amanda Hess, your, your, your colleague at Slate, is doing, um, all these pieces come out and they make you realize just how much of this is going on and how much our policymakers are just ignoring it. I just I'm starting to feel like we're at a tipping point with female sexual assault right now and awareness of it. The Obama administration just did that study where they found that 30 percent of all women graduating from college these days experience sexual assault on campus of some kind. And that's a pretty like open definition It includes verbal assault in addition to physical assault. There's been a lot of debate about those numbers, but I feel like you can turn to most women and that number does not seem shocking. Right. I, I, it's, I, I was on another show a couple of weeks ago talking exactly about that, about my experience of sexual assault at Wesleyan, about how it's, like, you can't escape it. It's everywhere. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten rape threats. I'm 28 years old. I should never have a rape threat. I should never have been threatened with rape in my entire life. And yet I have multiple instances in where I can say that guy clearly threatened to rape me. <laughs> that's crazy. That's, that's just crazy. Uh, so what do we do? Well, I mean, I could go back in time. I, you know, I tried to do, I tried to report in instances in, in when I was in college. Uh, but it's gotten to this point now where I feel like there's just so many of us reporting things that it's cultural. It's it's not just yes. I mean, we still have to re, we have to record and document every single time we get one of these things. It's annoying. It's hugely aggravating to have to be fighting for your own rights, right? That shouldn't be how the how the justice system works. You shouldn't have to fight for your own rights, but you have to in this case, right? This is where this is why we still have to fight for feminism, but. On top of that, it's cultural, it's systemic. There's something in our culture that is telling guys systematically that it's okay to treat women like bodies, that their peace of mind is less important than your satisfaction of threatening them. Like, There's so many things going on that I can't dismiss it outright as saying that this is just a couple of bad guys. No, 
there's so much more going on. Like we're not talking to our sons about how they should respect women because we just tell them you should respect women, period. And then never tell them what that entails. Right. Like, I don't know, like look for enthusiastic consent before you decide to have sex with somebody. Like maybe we need to start teaching boys as young as 12 and 13 that enthusiastic consent is different than, you know, constantly pressuring a girl for a blowjob. But that's our culture, right? Our culture is is kind of messed up in this regard. And and I, I would really love if more guys got on board and helping us revise the culture so women didn't always feel like we were under threat. Um, how do we get to an uplifting note now, Holly? How do we get to an uplifting? <laughs> puppies. Yeah, let's just take a moment to think about puppies. Yeah, let's cleanse our palate. Like, have you seen any good puppies lately? Oh my god, I did. You did. Tell me about it. I was walking to the train and someone had tied up their puppy in front of a store. But instead of just like waiting for the owner, the puppy ran up to anyone who walked by as if they were the owner and jumped on them all excitedly. So I got to slowly watch the puppy jump on people. And then I walked up and had my moment with the puppy. But really, that puppy (laughs) would have gone home with anyone, I think. (laughs) That's cute. (laughs) It was a good palate cleanser. Puppies are whores. (laughs) Oh god! I knew you were gonna say. I tried not to say it, and I was like, "Andrew, don't say it." (laughs) Moving on. Moving on. All right, let's get to some listener mail. Here is a letter I got from listener Rachel. She says she had a recent dating experience. It was going on for about a month. It was a guy she met on Tinder, and all of a sudden, he became really distant and called her to say that he had something really difficult to say and the reason he'd been distant was because he was trying to figure out the best way to tell her and he was getting anxious about telling her and he finally came out with it he's been seeing other people and she was like oh that's not a big deal uh she wishes she he told her sooner she's under the impression things are a bit more serious The story progresses to a questionable mugging at knife point in the midst of a somewhat important phone call and ultimately a breakup. The whole thing left her with two questions. One, when do you tell someone you're dating other people? If you are seeing other people, do you tell them or just assume it's assumed? And number two, why do men constantly think women will freak out when they have to tell them the truth? She's a grown woman and she can handle reality. Um, she's almost insulted that this guy worked himself up into such anxiety, like thinking that she was going to freak out about this. So it's like making a false assumption about a woman's emotional maturity uh, when he really seems like the immature one. So what do you think of that, that situation? Uh, I think what happened was he was probably projecting his own insecurities onto her. Like if she told him that she was dating like six other guys, he would be the one that freak out. So maybe that's what he was thinking, but I'm not going to assume anything. I mean, I'm projecting my own insecurities onto him. But the first thing is, when do we tell another person that we're dating other people? Uh, I mean, I think the medium in which you meet kind of predicts that. Like, Tinder sort of assumes you're... Tinder's casual in the sense that I feel it sends this message, whether we recognize it or not, that it's a casual thing and you're probably dating multiple people. Um, from Tinder versus like if you were on eHarmony and you were dating like several people off of eHarmony, you might want to tell someone sooner than later. 
um, because of the quote unquote seriousness that the site is supposed to be banking on, which by the way is total bull. But um, what do you I think? Say, I don't, I disagree with you that like the nature of the site changes. I feel like it's just always what's going on between the two people. Like maybe you guys felt a deep, intense connection. You can imagine him ever wanting to see someone else again, or maybe you're still very slowly getting to know each other. And it just made sense that you guys were seeing other people during that process. So I don't know. I guess it, I would gauge it off like this, the, how serious it feels. Um, and then also I would, I would tell someone as soon as possible if you, well, I'm like really pro blowing things up. Like, I feel like if it's going to scare him that you're seeing other people or if it's going to scare you that he's seen other people, just get to that those issues as soon as possible. I feel like when you let all this stuff linger, it sets you up for more, more of a time commitment and more pain than he was ever worth. I, I would mean, just get to it as quickly as possible. It seems like such a double bind for women to bring it up, for us to bring it up, right? I feel like we're, we're sort of effed if we do and we're effed if we don't. Like, <laughs> yeah. so that's what I'm, we, when we talk about a lot of things about dating when it comes to women, I, I, I often refer to it as the birdcage of oppression where, you know, isolated things don't, you know, that I can't admit that I'm dating three guys at one time without being assumed that I'm, you know, sleeping with all of them and I'm loose with my morals. But if I say I'm not dating anybody, then I'm seen as desperate and like honing in on you as my boyfriend. Right. So I'm, I'm effed if I do, I'm effed if I don't like, I, that's why I don't talk about it with guys that I'm dating. Um, because I feel like either way it's going to get interpreted as something negative. So, uh, I usually sit back and wait for the guy. Um, and I try to read cute, clues to, of his behavior as to what he's doing like if I can't seem to pin him down for a date and like for the week I'm assuming he's seeing other people like when he says oh I can't I'm busy I assume he's seeing other people um right and I'll just keep assuming that until he starts being more um transparent with me about how he's spending his time like that's how I go I go about it I just assume that if he's not telling me what he's doing on Thursday when I ask him out then it's not my business, which suggests that he's probably also seeing other people. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, I feel like this comes at it with the assumption that seeing other people is a bad thing when actually seeing other people can be kind of an awesome thing and that you don't necessarily know you really want to be with this guy. It's not like any guy you date, you suddenly want them to be your boyfriend. It's almost like nice that they have other options and you have other options while you figure out if you guys have anything to talk about or any reason to want more of their time. I just feel like we should just do as much as we can to create a space where we can genuinely get to know each other. And if seeing other people's getting in the way of that getting to know each other, then that's a problem. But for the most part, seeing other people only sucks once you're at the point where you just want as much time as possible to get to know each other. But if it's not in the way... I think it can be good because the reality is you could meet someone you like better. They could meet someone they like better. And why not do that before you close the gates instead of after? 
I agree with you. I, I it's just I was I, I explained it in the sense of like this is why I don't bring it up. Yeah. Like I, I feel like I'm at so I am at such a disadvantage because of how many um, double binds that women face while dating that I feel like I can't ask him without seeming desperate. Uh, so I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty much just going to have to chill and lay back and, and let things go naturally, even if that goes against every fiber of my being, right? <laughs> like I, I still have to lay back and let it go. Yeah, I feel like we're all just acting like it's as natural as can be for as long as possible. But nothing about the whole process is natural. No, because let's let's be honest. Like, let's be really honest. If if you really want my inner Holly heart, right, the not academic, not intellectual Holly heart, the little soft, squishy middle, I want to meet a guy and be so excited and have him so excited to meet me. We just jump up and down and give each other presents. Like, that's how I want my first date to go with the guy that I want to be with. But we've learned after 28 years that that's not how it's going to work. So, I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to say at this point. I can tell you the intellectual game theory, or I can tell you, like, the feminist interpretation of it, and I can tell you the squishy Holly middle, where I just want to meet a cute guy and him love me back, and we'll just give each other presents and it'll be awesome. Like that's, that's girl talk, guys. Like that's what Andrea and I really want. No, it's so true, and I just feel like the second part of the question was like how she almost felt insulted that this guy thought she was going to freak out, and just how awkward that whole exchange was. And that just reminds me of any that anything that's like that makes you feel like the present exchange is not happening is just like more information about him you know when he made that assumption about you and when he handled that so badly say la vie <laughs> like this does not feel like presence to me it's time for him to go now and like even though that's a sucky situation it's not something you did wrong it's just him telling you more about why you guys are not right for each other yeah um, i mean it's a blessing in disguise that he handled this so waywardly right like that he freaked out he um pulled back and started ignoring her and then came back with this story and the story in itself is ridiculous but the point is that the way he handled this is not how andrea and holly would love a guy that we were dating to handle it it would be hey um i really like you but i'm also seeing other people that i also like you know is that okay <laughs> like period yeah there's a way to handle it that's that's like that feels like a gift that'll help you guys grow closer and there's a way to handle it that that doesn't why put up with that and i i watched so many of my friends put up with less than that for so long and in my life i've put up with so much less than that for so long and i'm so over it we are too awesome for this i know i just i feel like a lot of people want to back us into a corner and say what do you want to just work out when you first meet i'm like yeah actually that'd be great <laughs> like if i didn't have to go through all this dating crap and just meet a guy who met me and said i really like you holly just the way you are you i like your sense of humor i think you're fun to talk to i just want to be around you and i want to give you presents <laughs> like that's what I want and you know what I'm sorry if that's what I want but that's what I want and everything else that I have to do in the name of dating so I can find somebody is not what I want but I do it anyway <laughs> because I have to yeah and I my other rule of thumb is like hold every guy you date to the expectations that you would hold a normal human person to so going missing from your life being confusing that is not the way normal human people should treat each other especially I, ones that you're intimate with. 
I totally agree. I mean, if you just met somebody on the subway and you thought you were like becoming awesome friends with that person and they totally disappeared for two weeks, you'd ask them what happened. But when, the second it's a dating relationship, you're supposed to be cool with it? Nope. <laughs> like, no, it's not how it works. Like, you just disappeared from my life for two weeks, dude. I'm not allowed to ask you what happened or what you were doing. Like, Am I allowed to ask you if I did something wrong? I don't know because I'm in a double bind. I'm I'm effed if I do. I'm effed if I don't. Like, yeah, I I'm sick. That's I mean, you and I are both sick of it, and I think a lot of our listeners are sick of the double binds that women just constantly find themselves up against because, God forbid, they want to find somebody to love. And the other thing is like, there's nothing like that feels better, and nothing that I think is more attractive than a girl saying. Yeah, I deserve better. No, you're not. You're not treating me well. This is over. It is, feels so good to break up with someone because they're not treating you right. I know. And how often in life do we get that kind of satisfaction of really, really standing up for ourselves and knowing that we're in hundred percent in the right? Like, how often does it happen? Yeah, I just say in dating we should create as many situations as possible where where we are so in the right and. Uh, and we've we've really tried. And then when it doesn't work out, you get to kind of step away and say, oh, yeah, I deserve way better. I deserve way better than that. Yeah, uh, I, I think it just takes being secure with yourself and recognizing you have to come from a place of um, surplus. You have to come from this place that there's an abundance, right? And I know this sounds like some secret hooey, but you really have to come at this and say, if this guy's not treating me well, there's plenty of other men out there who would be happy to be with me. I don't have to put up with this. And it's, yeah, every time I've seen a friend get out of something that was a horrible situation for her, and then she really thinks that there's nothing else, it always shows, something better always shows up. Um, you have to believe. You have to believe. When the, when God opens a door, closes a window or something. When he burns down that house. <laughs> when he burns, burns down the house, the whole world becomes your home. <laughs> Yeah, it's exciting. It's like camping. Yeah. (laughs) Because you have to sleep outside now. But it's cool because it's like camp. It's glamping. (laughs) (laughs) Glamping is what happens when God burns down down your house house. and there's no one left to date. That's right. That's right. Then the whole world becomes your glamp ground. (laughs) (laughs) Airbnb for only $70 a night. And one last thing that we have to go over today is the OkCupid profile of one of our listeners. Listener Ken sent me this link to his OkCupid profile, and I thought we could evaluate it. But I don't want to give it away for people, so I guess we have to describe it, but not too much to protect his privacy. There's not – there's like the thing is about this, that his profile, is that there's nothing inherently wrong with it. And here's the thing about – our friend is that he's he's in his fifties, so he's not the traditional demographic for OkCupid, okay which tends to cater more towards people who are between the ages of twenty five and thirty five. Um, so he's a little bit outside the bounds of the most popular most of the population, right? So he's. Would you recommend um, another site for him? Yes, I would, um, and the reason for that only is because. Um, 
the, he's not going to find who he wants to find on OkCupid. Like he might. There's, it's just, it seems to me that there's an age gradation to websites, and like eHarmony might be more up his alley. Isn't eHarmony the religious one where you have to fill out a really long survey? Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't like it. I personally would never recommend eHarmony to anybody, but I don't know. I don't know much about his age group's dating behavior. In fact, there's not that much written about his age group's dating behavior. Um, so it's, it, it's interesting to me. I don't like, that's, that's one of those quandaries, but like, let's say he's finding success on OkCupid. Let's say it's going well for him. Um, I think his, I think his profile is really good. Um, what about plenty of fish or match.com? Plenty of fish is a site that is largely used to direct a lot of lonely people to adult friend finder period. It actually gets most of its revenue, I believe by redirecting people to adult friend finder. Like there's a lot of advertising on the site itself that traffics users to um, porn sites and sites like that. Adult friend and finder is like an online fetish community right or you have a profile for your sexual interests and then you're matched in that way yeah like it's it's not like fet life but it's it's sort of like trying to match local people who just want to have um attachmentless sex and so it's a very profitable website and 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 from there a lot of people get redirected to porn sites so there's like this porn ring that i consider plenty of fish affiliated with. Um, and I do think that's where they get most of their money from. So that's why I don't, re I don't recommend plenty of fish for that reason, because if that's what's going on, I, I can't imagine that their user base is that high quality if they, or they respect their user base that well. Um, I don't know what's going on there, but it's not a real dating site. It's more of a redirection site. So there's that. And then match.com, which is a pay for site, Plenty of fish is free. OkCupid is free. eHarmony is a subscription site. Match.com is a subscription site. Match.com and OkCupid are owned by the same company, which is interesting. Um, but Match.com takes a lot of the um, personalization out of the process. Like there's less you can do. Every update to your own site requires moderation. Uh, you know, there's just, I don't know. I don't enjoy Match.com either. Uh, but... It might be better for older users because it has more name recognition amongst older users. So there might be more users on there. But I actually can't tell you for sure because I don't know. I explored it for my grandma. And the hardest part about Mash.com is you're overwhelmed with so many emails and promotions long after you cancel. Um, but a trick I did hear from someone is that if you sign up and then you cancel, they'll give you a free month or two trying to get you to come back. One of the most misleading things about Mash.com is that a lot of the profiles have let their subscriptions lapse and they leave them up on the site to create the appearance of a larger dating pool than is actually there. So it's it's not ideal. It's But so much of these dating sites is trying to get as close as you can to the pool that, in which you're going to find the most matches. Right. At the same time, this is a WFMU listener, so I can't help but feel like like the cool lady who's going to have similar interests um, to him might 
and like the really specific music taste he likes might be on OkCupid. So I would stay on this site for a while and then I'd consider switching if it doesn't work. Okay, so we have another piece of listener mail. This is from listener Angie who asks about the etiquette of who should pay on the date. And basically in her experiences, she really loves it when guys pick up the tab. She kind of considers it gentlemanly and uh, and she almost kind of looks at it like an indicator of how interested he is. So if she's for sure not interested, she's happy to split the check. But if she's interested, she really hopes that he will pay. And if he doesn't, she treats that as a sign that this isn't going anywhere. Um, is she looking at this all wrong? Yeah. First of all, a guy can pay for you and still not be interested in you. So there's the logical fallacy. Uh, but beyond that, I, it's a terrible indicator of interest to, to pay because I think we're in an era where you, that there's so many, con, there's so much confusion. I feel like this is the number one question people ask me when they find out that I'm writing a dissertation on dating. They're like, well, who pays? <laughs> and then I look back and I'm like, why does it matter? Like, just don't go somewhere that costs money and then see if you actually like the person and if they like you. Um, I feel like that's a, a better indicator. Like the, 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 there's so many better indicators than who pays, right? Like I just, I understand where she's, she can come and feel that way, but it's just an old stereotype that hasn't been true for decades that like a guy pays. What, what is he going to do if he doesn't like you, but still feels like he has to pay? He's going to pay. <laughs> like, is he going to go against his morals and not pay? Probably not. I've never met a guy who like, even on a bad date, didn't offer to pay. And I insist, no, 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 I'll get this. Or I do my move, which is even sneakier, right? Is I get up to go to the bathroom and, and flag down the waitress, give her my debit card and say, just put it all on money. That's what I do when the date goes bad. That sends a really obvious message, I guess. But um, <laughs> I really don't want to be beholden to the guy. And I want to I want to bounce as soon as that check is put on the table. You know, I don't go by who pays or what pays. I just think that's just so dumb. Like there's so many ways to get around it, right? Go to a go to a park, walk around, have a conversation. If you want to have coffee, meet them at the coffee shop. Get there five minutes early and buy your own cup. Like this is this is I I I just don't like going off of old models of interest. Yeah, and I, yeah, I agree. It's not a reliable indicator at all. The as we talk a lot about on this show, like the, there are no clear rules for dating. Um, and there are no clear rules for money etiquette anywhere. So I just feel like you can't every, – every first date situation is just going to be the weirdest experience ever, no matter how smooth you are, how smooth they are, no matter how much you guys like each other, or no matter how wrong you are for each other. It's just going to be a weird thing because you're sitting down with a total stranger to figure out if you someday like to have sex. It's weird. So to take money out of that equation is actually the best thing you can do. And I always love thinking of creative ways to take money out of it. I think I would never do a dinner date on a first date. I don't think I'd do a movie on a first date. I think I always go for just like a one beverage situation, coffee or drink, and I find a way to cover my own forcefully. Yeah. But yeah. everyone's different, so... I mean, I, my best piece of advice that I always give people when they ask me, well, where should I go on a first date? I said, go for a walk. Go for a walk. Just 
we most of your listeners and most of the people we, we we talk with live in cities and the reason you live in a city at all is because you want to be in a dense urban space where there's a lot of public facilities and amenities like go to a park walk around the park like it's free i don't know there's something it's kind of nice to see someone in a social situation on a date like to see how they talk to the waiter or see like what they order from the bar i don't know and also like a walk is something i can do on my own but like going out for a drink is something i almost would never do alone so there's something to going out for a drink with someone and also some people need the social lubrication a lot <laughs> um or the caffeine a lot either one you need one or the other for me <laughs> I feel like that's a bad message. I feel like saying someone needs drugs to interact with their future partner is a bad sign. But that's because dates are so awkward. I mean, they just are. You have like zero starting place with this other this other person. Like you could pick any friend and you'd have more that you already know about each other going into it. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm totally hypocritical. I, I mean, on my last date, I was just so incredibly nervous. I was like shaking and I, I had to hide it somehow. <laughs> I was like, Aah. um, I'm not oh. good at first date. Surprise. I don't think that could be true, Holly. <laughs> oh, it's so true. If anyone would like to date Hollywood, <laughs> you have to be in the San Francisco area ages. 25 to 40. Oh my God. 25 year old. I don't know if I could handle a 25 year old at this point. I feel like I've exclusively only dated 25 year olds. Like I keep getting older, but keep dating 25 year olds. That's got to stop. <laughs> okay. 25 year olds are not included in this. No, range. 20, 28 or older, 28 to 40. And I, and 40 would be pushing it. Hollywood is a regular guest here on YOY. Thank you so much for joining me. Everyone can follow you on Twitter at GirlZipLocked. Yes, and you can tweet me all your strange philosophical quandaries. I'm really into those lately. All right, that's it for our show today. We had help from my fantastic obscenity intern, Aaron in Hopkins, Minnesota. Our show art was done by Greg Harrison, gregcircanow.com. You can listen to YOY live every Wednesday on WFMU from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time. You can also subscribe to the podcast. Just visit yoyradio.com. And hey, did you write me an iTunes review yet? I hate to nag you. I am so sorry that I am nagging you. I just watch all the other podcasts and all the reviews. Maybe I have some ex-boyfriends with podcasts. Yes, I said boyfriends, plural. Um, And I want more reviews than them. So let's work on it, guys. Just head over to iTunes because I have a very fragile ego. Log in. You have to create some kind of stupid username. And then just say a couple words about why my show's working for you. It's how new people find podcasts. And I have to say, the podcast listeners are some of my best listeners. You guys send me great feedback. Those radio listeners are drifters. They just pop in, think they know me, never really want to commit. But you podcast listeners, you are deeply involved in what we're doing here, and I love it. So thank you. 